Hello and welcome to the Literature Podcast, A Novel Review. My name is Seamus, your host, and together we will discuss, dissect, and explore the wonderful world of literature, and the wonderful world of literature is a vast and dense jungle, so let's start making our way through, one book at a time. Hello, good day, and welcome to the beginning of another episode of A Novel Review, a podcast exploring the wonderful world of literature. My name is Seamus, and I am your host, and for today's episode, a story set in the heart of Scotland. Yes, today I will be discussing Douglas Stewart's novel, Young Mungo. But before I jump into this book, I always take a moment to reflect on any mantelpiece moments, something to highlight from the week past, and... I just wanted to say, it's not a mantelpiece moment, but I just wanted to say that it's World Mental Health Day on the 10th of October every year, and if I've got my release dates correct, that is today. So basically, I just wanted to say thank you to all my listeners across the globe. You know, I I see you, I see the downloads and the views across the podcast platforms and the listens on YouTube. I love getting your messages and book suggestions and that I truly do appreciate the time you take to give up to listen. I hope everyone listening to this is is happy and healthy and full of life and courage. And I mean, most of all, perhaps most importantly, I hope that whatever book you are reading, it is just incredible. So basically, I just wanted to say thank you for listening. I truly do appreciate it. Housekeeping, as always, all the scripts from the episode are available on my website, just in case you know of anyone who has a hearing impairment who might get a kick out of a written version of the pod. So head along, they are all free for use for all to enjoy. And of course, all the episodes are available on YouTube as well with closed captions, if that is more your cup of tea. Okay, off we go to Scotland, into urban Glasgow, into this haunting novel about youth, sexuality, what it means to be a man, religion, familial responsibility, and lower socioeconomic classes. That is a lot of themes to thread through a story, and Douglas does it so easily, so meticulously, that you never once feel like the story is forced, but I am getting a bit ahead of myself. Douglas Stewart is a Scottish-American who grew up in housing estates in Glasgow. His first novel was judged to be so good, it won the 2020 Booker, and it was called Shuggy Bane, and I concede that I have not read it, but that is not bad for your first outing, though, to win the Booker, that's for sure. And his novel Young Mungo, which is only his second, is a brutal window into the lives of particularly men in this harsh environment. Let's have a little overview, shall we? The novel follows two alternating narratives. On one timeline, we have Mungo on a fishing trip with two men who are drunks, and the more you read through this novel, the more sinister the fishing trip gets. Constantly speaking, the men always say how Mungo has been sent to go fishing with them by his mother, in a way to surround Mungo with more men. It is also implied that the fishing trip is almost a punishment, and the idea of being around a stereotypical man is an attempt of sorts, and I guess a a hope as well, that Mungo might take on some of these characteristics. The second timeline sees Mungo living out the everyday life in the housing estates. Mungo is a Protestant and meets and befriends the Catholic boy named James. James raises and races birds. 
Throughout the novel, in scenes that almost feel like stolen moments, the two boys develop a relationship that goes beyond friendship, which, with the religious aspect, was bad enough, but then add in the hyper-masculine world of the housing estates and the fact that Mungo's older brother Hamish is a local gang leader, and what you get is the struggle of a boy who is trying to make sense of this grey world he has been placed into. Okay, so that is an overview for the novel. The imbuing of the harsh and stark everyday world told through the lens of Douglas's captivating lyricism will mean that you are compelled to continue reading despite not wanting to suffer the pain evoked through the story any longer. I have mentioned his writing style a few times, so maybe a little quote to showcase some skill, and I think this quote basically sums up the novel. So here's a nice little line. It reads, The sun was not yet fully overhead in the sky, and everything beautiful was already ruined. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And I think his writing is a major component to this book. The writing is almost a third character in the shadows that just carries you through these really dark moments. But we'll have more quotes later a bit, you know, about that. One of the novel's strongest points, in fact, maybe its strongest point, is the portrayal of relationships and how those relationships can affect your identity. Mungo is young, just in case you couldn't tell from the title, Young Mungo, at just 15 years old, I believe, and so you think he is young and impressionable, and that's why maybe he flits around a little bit, unsure of himself in different aspects of life. But because of this, we actually get many different viewpoints into different aspects of his life. One huge impact to who Mungo is, is his mother. Now his mother is quite young for a mother of three kids, Mungo being the youngest. Only in her 40s herself, she feels she lost a big chunk of her life being a mother, and so she is constantly absent and drunk. Mungo's older siblings are quite firm with her. They don't like her and they think she is bad news, but... Mungo, still sweet and young enough to not comprehend the total misery of the world, is ultimately incredibly forgiving of her actions, despite the fact that those actions are always quite shocking and in no way discreet. And so, as the reader, you just read with this heavy heart of impending doom that either Mungo will figure out the truth before it's too late, or it will become too late and he will figure it out in hindsight, and I'm not quite sure which of those two options are worse. And what makes it difficult is you find yourself agreeing with so many characters, but also disagreeing with them in this beautiful blend of realism. You agree with them because what they are saying is right, but often their actions are then what you disagree with. But there is a sadness about it because you feel their actions are determined by their situation. Hamish, Mungo's older brother, is constantly saying that Mungo should not be kind to their mother, who treats all the children like they are nothing. And you agree with that. But then he's the leader of a gang of Protestants that are at war with Catholics and you disagree with that. And yet you feel sorry because really they are just children who have been raised to believe you have to fight for your place and defend it no matter what. And so they grow up and what begins is this vicious cycle of violence. But then amongst it all, Mungo finds this little gem of happiness, this little pearl of hope in the character of James. And he grows to understand that love transcends all and that what he has been told is wrong. And Mungo learns that a lot of what he has been told is not based on anything, as is so often the case with prejudices and judgments. I could talk about their relationship and what it becomes, but I think this quote does it more than justice and also highlights again how beautiful a writer Douglas Stewart is. And the quote goes, 
James sat forward and kissed him. It was all so familiar now. They had moved beyond the clumsy petting and munching. Mungo would stop frequently to apologise. He felt so inept, and James would cradle his face and guide Mungo's lips back to his. Now their kisses were soft and tender, and offered without the fear of refusal. A kiss lasted hours. They lay with their mouths together and Mungo cupped his nose in the divots of James's cheeks, and then they led each other in a silent ramble. One would change the direction and the other would follow, over and over until an arm went dead or the microwave pinged. A hand might slip under a t-shirt, but it never dared to do anything else. Mungo knew he wanted to spend his life doing this, just kissing this one boy. There was no need to rush. Such a beautiful quote. It, it is simple, sensitive to their age and what they are feeling. It doesn't try to convince you that because they are young, their feelings mean less. But this relationship, of course, creates a deep sense of identity issues within both the boys because all boys are meant to like girls and this is a man's world. Because of the duality, the timelines, and the structure of this story, you get this story of Mungo moving through his life, trying to understand himself and his place in the world, albeit his family and the wider community, while also getting this second narrative of the camping trip. The camping trip itself moves along with relative ease until the darkness of the perversion of it catches up, and then of course you begin to understand where this particular story fits in the timeline of Mungo's life. This brutal and cold world that Mungo navigates barely helped by anyone. I do want to give warning that there is sexual abuse in this book. As I said in a previous episode, when I was studying literature at university, one of my professors said you should always warn people about sexual abuse in stories, especially when it is concerned with children. So I am carrying that mantra with me. You have been warned. All in all, a great novel. Brutal, but beautiful. Sensitive and yet unafraid. A window into the stark world. What would I rate this novel out of 5? My general rule of thumb is that if it's a 4 or higher, it's a must-read or a reread. I definitely don't want to reread this because one was more than enough in that brutal world, but that's a testament to the story itself, so this is a 4.2 out of 5. So, what am I reading this week? This week I am reading a novel called We by Russian author Yevgeny Zamyatin. And this novel came about after a listener reached out. In the episode of Ice by Anna Kavan, in the Mental Peace moment, I spoke about a new novel, Wifedom by Anna Funder, and how George Orwell might have perhaps not as been as honourable as he would have liked to have perhaps been perceived to be. And a listener reached out and said I should read the novel We and see if there were any similarities that I recognised. Well... I am reading it, and yes, there are some similarities in the fact that it is basically the story of Orwell's novel 1984. Only issue is, the novel We came out years before, so I'm going to do an episode on this novel for sure. It is fascinating, I think there is a rich impersonality to the text that I'm enjoying, and yeah, it's a fascinating read, and it's very interesting to, to see basically the novel 1984 written years and years before George Orwell got his fingers on it. Now, before I close out the show, if you've listened this far, please consider hitting those five stars. I would really appreciate it. Also, feel free to head along to the website and support the pod. Maybe you would like to buy me a virtual copy. And of course, thank you, thank you, thank you for your attention. So, I think it's time to end this episode. And today, to take us away, I think a little bit of Galileo, because why not? And he says that 
Nature is relentless and unchangeable, and it is indifferent as to whether its hidden reasons and actions are understandable to man or not.